We've entitled our current sermon series, Dimensions of Hope. And we have tried to take a look at Christian hope from several angles to see how different it is from the I hope so kind of hope that we experience in everyday life. On this homecoming Sunday, um, this hoko, I'm impressed with the keep coming back faithfulness that members of this church and its community have had over the nearly half century I've been here as pastor. The hope that this church has inspired in people who have been part of its congregation is not an ephemeral or wispy hope that just gets a person through one day at a time. It's a multi-dimensional hope made up of many chords twisted together into a strong hope bond. And today's Bible passage really makes this point. It illustrates how our hope is an anchor for our soul. It's found in Hebrews chapter six. Now, if you have ever tackled the book of Hebrews in your personal Bible study, you found that it's pretty complicated. It's based on arguments from the Old Testament that you would have to know virtually the whole Old Testament to understand. And it was written for people who had that background and could appreciate the nuances. So I'm going to read this. Don't expect to understand all the references. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Even though we speak in this way, and he had just talked about how people fall away from the faith, and even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake and serving the saints, and you still do. And we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When God made a promise to Abraham, because he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Human beings, of course, swear by someone greater than themselves. And an oath given as confirmation puts an end to all dispute. In the same way, when God desired to show even more clearly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it by an oath. So that through unchangeable things in which it is impossible that God would prove false, we who have taken refuge might be strongly encouraged to seize the hope set before us. 
Notice that's the second time the word hope is used. And then verse 19, we have this hope, third time, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You understood all of that? Raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. From this passage, though, I would like to lift the four statements about hope, which are grounded in the whole of the Old Testament, in which God made promises to us. And as the author says, he swears by himself and then doubles down on it by not only making a promise, but an oath. He has put his whole character, his whole nature on the line. So in this passage, we're going to look at four particular phrases. First, in verses 11 and 12, I want to read these verses again. We want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end so that you may not become sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So this first statement about hope is pretty powerful. Realize the full assurance of your hope. Realize the full assurance of your hope. Now you have hope in Christ. Two people expressed that hope in their baptism. But they also gave testimony about how that hope has been realized in their lives through practical experience. And they will continue to find evidence of that until the day when they entrust their eternity to the one in whom they have hoped. So if you realize the full assurance of your hope in your life, this Greek word realize is really pretty big word, and it's a rather long word, and it means to manifest in reality that which you believe. So it is hope being fleshed out. That's what realizing your hope is. It's moving from wishful thinking to tangible, observable, living out in actual results. That's a different kind of hope. And if you see this happening in your life, then your hope will never be that I hope so kind of hope, but it will always lead to full assurance. Your experience in claiming the hope will be vindicated in the hope realized in your life. That's what we testify of in each other as we go through the deep waters of life and say, yes, yes, it does work. God is with me through all of this. And you have full assurance of hope and you build up the assurance of others as you share this testimony. That's a great word. Realize the full assurance of your hope. But the second one is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 so that through two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, 
in which it is impossible that God would prove false, we, have taken re we who have taken refuge might st be strongly encouraged to seize the hope set before us. To seize the hope. Wow. That's a powerful word as well. And that's our second word. Seize the hope that is set before you. These are challenges, and there's something we can do today. Take seriously the hope. Seize it. it, 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 it the word means grab hold of it. Don't let it go. Don't be casual about it. But God has made promises on, based on these unchangeable things about his own character. And now the author of Hebrews says, grab hold of that. Don't be passive. Grab hold of that hope and believe in it actively, in the fulfillment, not just the dream. And don't let it evaporate, drift away. Grab hold, seize. And the third powerful phrase is seen in verse 19. And I'm going to read that verse to you. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. <clears throat> and this uh, phrase that we want to add to our list is, realize the full assurance of hope, seize the hope that is set before you, now be anchored surely and steadfastly in that hope. Be anchored in that hope. Um, you might be curious about what the Greek word for anchor is. I looked it up. The Greek word for anchor is anchor. <laughs> it is a Greek word. And when they translated it into Latin, anchor became anchor. And when they translated it into English, anchor became anchor. I mean, it's a word with strength the English couldn't approve on. I don't know, it's a combination. In Greek, it's it's, it's alpha, it's GK together, not NK. But that's a powerful congregate, I mean, combination, isn't it? An anchor. That's strength, right? Anchor. We have this vision of an anchor, a sure and steadfast way for a ship to keep from being moved where it doesn't want to go. We have this picture of what an anchor looks like, but I found out in studying this that they're all different kinds of anchors. And uh, these are a few of the models. They, they all have names and they all have very specific purposes. And uh, if you're in an area where there are a lot of rocks, use a certain kind of anchor that will grab hold of the rocks. But they have a kind of thing they call a plow anchor. And when you're in an area that's got a sandy or muddy base, the plow anchor will actually bite into that. And it gets, it's just as secure as if you caught onto a, a rock. And the person who's manning the anchor uh, has to know by feel and by uh, other observations what's going on and how to anchor that and how to detach it when you want to move. So you can hook on a rock, you can hook into sand or mud. And there are also permanent anchors you can hook onto. And they're often man-made concrete blocks and 
And then they'll have a chain from that concrete block and a, 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 a buoy on the top of the waves and the boat will see that and hook up to it and they'll be anchored solidly with that connection. An anchor has to have a strong attachment and it has to have a strong attachment at both ends, both to the seabed and to the ship. So this picture be anchored securely, he, he develops that in verses 19 to 20. And he describes this anchor further. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered. Now, what does all that mean? Well, it's a reference to some of the mysteries of the Old Testament where God first revealed himself to the Israelites that he had chosen to be his people. He gave them a tabernacle as a place of worship. It was a tent in the desert. And then later it was replaced by the temple built by Solomon. And it had the same kind of holy place at the center of it that the tabernacle did. And in that holy place, there was a holy of holies and within that, the priest could go once a year, and it was covered by a veil. And the sacrifice that connected the Israelites with God were behind the veil. It was the holiest place, the place that represented the very presence of God, if you will, the very heart of God. And so, adding this to our key phrases, the fourth phrase, be hope anchored spiritually to the heart of God. Hey, it's wonderful to have a favorite scripture verse. But this anchor goes deeper than your favorite scripture verse. This anchor goes to the heart of God, to the very presence of God, so that as hope becomes internalized, you may not be able to put it into words, but it just becomes stronger and stronger as you experience him in your life through prayer, through Bible reading, through worship. You learn that the events that happen in your life are not accidental and that God really is in charge and your anchor is firmly embedded in the nature of God behind the veil. So a ship has to be anchored strongly at both ends. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment. And the communion is going behind the veil. It's reminding ourselves of the very bedrock of our faith in what Jesus has done on our behalf. And our anchor holds as we reconnect through the Lord's Supper. And anchors, it's a kind of invisible process, isn't it? When a ship is in a harbor with its sails down, just sitting there, that's a peaceful scene. And uh, 
you don't realize is there's something very active going on under the surface. Because if that ship were just floating, it could bang into the rocks, it could, it could uh, m m just uh, drift ashore, it could drift out to sea, whatever. The anchor is there, but you don't see it. You don't recognize it. But when the powerful storm comes, that's when you know that anchor is there. That anchor has been there all along and it is strong, it is embedded. It is embedded in God and it's embedded in the human person. Now if you look at a ship, anything from a sailing ship to a big uh, ocean going barge, the anchor opening, you'll see a hole in the side of the ship. See, the anchor is not connected to the railing or to some post on the external part of the ship. The railing, that anchor chain goes all the way inside the ship and is connected to the most basic part of the ship's structure. It, it's internally connected into that ship. And on the other end, well, in our human example, we've talked about rocks and we've talked about the seabed and possibly a block of concrete, but the reality of our Christian faith is expressed in a song that we're going to sing after the communion service, but I'd like to give you a little preview. It's a hymn called, Will Your Anchor Hold? And it goes like this. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Will your anchor drift or firm remain? Will your anchor hold in the straits of fear when the breakers roar and the reef is near, when the surges rave and the wild winds blow? Shall the angry waves then your bark overflow? And what about at the end of your life? Will your eyes behold through the morning light the city of gold and the harbor bright? Will your anchor safe by the heavenly shore when life's storms are past forevermore? And after each verse, there's this chorus. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move. Do any of you know this last line? Grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. Grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. No rock, no concrete piling, no pier can anchor the soul with the kind of security that that does. Securely anchored inside the ship of who you are internally, securely anchored in the love God showed through Jesus Christ. Grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. Thank you, Father, for such assurance, for such 
joyful assurance, for such internal assurance through all of life's circumstances. Some of us find this more natural than others. Some of us seem to just worry, agonize, and wonder whether we'll make it. But give each one a word right now, Lord. Give them that word. I've got this. I've got this. I've got you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.